Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So is uh, President Xi coming to Chicago or something? Wait, what do you mean, Dan? Where, where are the migrants going? Oh, you mean the guys being... that were in front of the 18th district? Those guys. Well, all the police stations, uh, not yet, but that seems to be the new plan. They're calling it decompression. Excuse the, me, that uh, like a, something you put on a wound. The 18th district uh, station, Division Larrabee, was decompressed as part of the city's effort to move the migrant population from police stations to brick-and-mortar shelters, according to a spokeshuman for BLM Brandon. Where they're being decompressed to. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line all morning long, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. And I, last night I drove by the 20th because I was heading home from Evanston. And I saw there's still people out, even in the rain, there are still people, tents, about smattering of tents out there still. 19th yeah, but district that, still had tents out. So, so what's the program? I don't know. We're always any, the last to know, aren't we? Uh, well, we aren't, but the public generally is. Although, I, again, I think this administration is um, engaged in sort of ad hoc triage here with respect to migrants. And so it's hard to know what they're going to do or what they're attempting to go to do, because I don't think they have a full appreciation for what they're attempting to do. They're attempting to just address something that is become a public spectacle to address the next thing that's become a public spectacle. And then, you know, talk in generic terms about 60 day limitations and work visas and uh, being a welcoming city and, you know, just string together the aphorisms that cover the incompetence. So it's hard to know, but there's something afoot. And it's interesting because I understand that even though uh, police in the 18th are happy to see that situation get remedied for the short time, they don't think it's permanent. They think they'll be back. Really? So... It's a little confusing. It's also starting to get a little bit difficult for the administration, though. They have to find some place to put them. I mean, they have. Um, well, I know this, the uh, Ditka's is now a homeless shelter, but, but they have these other uh, setups. I, I assume for migrants, the brick and mortar. So, I mean, there we know about the base camps that are being that are under construction. If uh, they don't uh, pave over the residents there in Brighton Park and in 115th and Halstead and those that those are moving forward. But but we haven't really been clear. Talk sort of again, loose talk about this hotel or that hotel, uh, this retrofitting, this building or that building. But we don't have a lot of clarity on that, do we? We don't. And I don't even think the migrants have clarity on what, what's going on. I mean, the ones that are inside that don't have to sleep in, you know, outside, they're fortunate 
and they still don't clean up their garbage outside. But did you hear what Rosemont is doing? Rosemont, the mayor there, he's uh, tacking on a $1,000 tax on hotel stays 30 days and longer. And that's an attempt to prevent housing migrants and uh, to protect their convention business. That's probably pretty smart on Bradley Stevens's part. Oh, okay. um, the, other, the other thing that's happening, too, is, of course, you have the incidence of criminal conduct. Not just sort of the loitering criminal conduct, like the criminal conduct where two migrants that were arguing and fighting outside a city shelter in uh, ended, ended up in gunfire. Um, so... That, you know, that's that's a bit of a problem. Well, it's not great for the neighborhood. We've got enough of that, and that's the point. It's not that the migrants are any more violent than the residents of Chicago, but you're just still adding to the aggregate am- amount of violence, and so it's looked at with a jaundiced eye when it's people that are uh, occupying the, the frontage of a police station or something, in addition to, obviously, the cold weather and that being a bad look if people are going to be freezing to death and so forth. Yeah, but that's what the Woodland residents predicted. Remember, they had these things like, there's going to be violence here. These people are already selling drugs. There's prostitution. They predicted that there would be a shooting, and there uh, was. I mean, everyone predicted that this sort of willy-nilly allowance of people to come in this country and move about at their leisure without knowing much about them, everyone predicted that it would result in more violence. Of course it would. Of course it will, even on the margins, even if most of the migrants are otherwise law abiding and looking for a better life. And, you know, take the migrant story in the light most favorable to the migrants. Everyone who is an adult who lives in this world knows what the result is going to be. And in Chicago, they don't care until it's literally at their doorstep. Because this is a city that loves their beautiful lies. This is a city that is beset by a plurality, at minimum, of low low cognition voters. And so you're seeing that play out with a low cognition administration. Uh, George in Naperville. Yeah, Dan, I'm just hoping this doesn't turn into a trail of tears and they make these people walk to starved rock. I got a text message uh, from one of my police friends that they were told that the city hopes to have all Chicago police stations cleared of migrants by December 1st. Yeah, that's that's been reported. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Because when I was saying saying that I drove by and they're still there, they're like, yeah, they're going to be there. We're trying to get that's the goal is December 1st. But again, they don't even know where they're going. Where are they going? Well, well, so right. So the goal is to get them uh, removed from the police station December 1st. Are they just going to disappear? Is this some sort of, sort of Houdini act? They're going to go somewhere. There's going to be some expenditures uh, to transport them and then house them. And then there is the question about the impact they have on the neighborhoods in which they wind up. I mean, you don't just say we're making them disappear and we are not taking any questions. You have to give the complete story, I would think. I would think people who care about their fellow human, no human can be illegal. I would think people would be interested in where they're being transported to, what the conditions are, what we're doing, what the administration is doing, how long they'll be there. That's a 60 day too. What, 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 what's the big vision for this, I guess, is the question. Because it's not coming into focus for me. Mary Kay, Western Springs. 
Hi, you guys. Hi, Amy. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, so I'm out. Uh, I talked to this neighbor comes by and he <laughs> we're talking and he's telling me how much he loves Biden. I said, are you kidding me? Because I, I thought you live next to Jim Durkin. <laughs> no, he's he's on the other side of 47th Street over. Oh, Cash. I see. Yeah. Okay. The other yeah, Biden yeah, territory in Western Springs. Oh, good God. This, so this guy, I'm like, I was really surprised. I thought he was just joking. I Seriously. And um, he's telling me, he's like, listen, you know, you live, there's no crime. You live in a beautiful place. We got beautiful houses, great schools, blah, 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 safe and beautiful. I say, bring the migrants right here. Get them over in uh, Bemis Woods, right off of Ogden Avenue, tons of land, you know, it's a great setup. They can they can do they can build temporary shelters and they can build those um, hospital things that they did in um, during COVID. They mm-hmm. can build mm-hmm. the shelter in Bemis Woods. Get get them over here. Let them walk all over town. I, I you know I wanted to tell this guy, why don't you open up your your big house to these people? Just put your freaking mouth. You know, if you're going to talk like this, and put it, you know. Practice what you preach, okay? Yeah, all people. of the above. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all I mean, of the above. His home, your community. I mean, it's a welcoming community. Great high, great schools out in Western Springs. Oh. Sure. Like Lyons Township? You know, I mean, they're small. Yes, I mean, get them. That's exactly, that's the answer. That's the answer to me. Get them out of the city. Let them live in the Western Springs Police Department. Let them live in um, all the gyms that aren't being used, the churches. I mean, there's just... There's just so much opportunity here for brick and mortar for migrants and beautiful, you know, by the time it's yes. spring, there'll be plenty so, of places. Let 20,000 more in or 40,000, get it up to New York members and see what these people, how they, um, how much they like it when that happens. They'll just be like the mayor, like Eric Adams, they'll be losing their minds, you know. Thanks for the call, Mary Kay. Yeah, no, I, I again, we've been strong proponents of uh, the, uh, Hate has no home here, suburbs uh, living their values. And I agree with you. This is a wonderful opportunity for people in Western Springs and Hinsdale and uh, the North Shore, all Naperville, all Downers Grove, all the wonderful leafy communities with the <coughs> great schools and um, big homes to open their doors wide, River Forest. Yeah. Oak Park mm-hmm. to open their doors wide to make use of their parks, absolutely. I, I'm I'm just uh, shocked, just That's... absolutely positively shocked that more haven't volunteered. And any right? vacant hotels, particularly in the Gold Coast, you know, pony up, do your part. Well, there's a rumor about the old Ambassador East. Maybe, uh, maybe that's. Uh, why not? Part of the answer for BLM Brandon. I don't know. But, but there's there's shoppers, whatever. there's bad the plumbing's already there, Dan. The rooms are there. Do it. Look, uh, use uh eminent no domain power to to condemn and take possession of all of the great hotels. Let's, let's start you know, go start high end. The Ritz and Park Hyatt and uh Peninsula. Put, make them part of the gimme dat real estate empire, and then you've got more than enough space. You don't have to worry about using police stations, and everybody lives the five-star lifestyle. I mean, at taxpayer expense, but that's mm. the price of being a welcoming city. David in Winnetka. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, so uh, two things here. I used to uh, date and live with a 
uh, a gal, she was Russian. She came over on a dance scholarship to Nepal, and something went wrong. Sure, she did. Russian dancer. That's your story. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Mail order bride. What? Oh, go on. Yeah, no. That's cool. That's great. Russian dancer. Right. Right from from the Bolshoi to uh, Dave and Winnetka. (laughs) So she had lost her, her, all her identification. Her purse got ripped off. So I would take her over to get a uh, ID and they'd say, well, you need a social security card. Then I take her to get a social. And they're like, no, you need ID. This went round and round and round. I'm like, look, she's been here for 15 years. She had a social security number. Like, wait, just magically disappeared. So anyways, now in my life, I'm, I spent about 50% of my life at either a Home Depot or a Lowe's. Every time I pull in these places, there's like 30, 40 migrants. Like, they're begging for work. They're begging. And I'm, I love to pick them up, but I, I, mean, I get in huge trouble. Um, you know, how come there's not, you need to have purpose in life, purpose. You don't have to identify, your identity doesn't have to be your job, but you have to have a purpose. And if you don't, it's just all going to fall apart. So how did Thanks it end the with a Russian oh. dancer? Oh. Well, oh. well, you know, I mean, a gentleman doesn't uh, tell more than Dave already told. You know, that's <laughs> okay. not, that's not, I don't want to hit, I don't want to involve the authorities in uh, one of our listeners' uh-huh. calls, you know. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I I feel somewhat uh, bad for ridiculing this fight between uh, the Evanston Birkenstocks and the Wilmette Manolo Blahniks. Why? Well, I I don't think I realized the implications until Evanston resident Evie Russell took to the microphone during public comment at yesterday's meeting where they were discussing the green lighting of the plan to go forward with Ryan Field Stadium reconstruction, as well as rezoning to provide for concerts oh, at no. that venue. No, I. Uh, Evanston has fallen. I cede my time to Evie Russell. Evie Russell, I will use my time for a moment of silence to commemorate the death of our neighborhood at the hands of the Evanston City Council, who failed to protect it. Please observe the silence. Remembering Evanston. Mm-hmm. I can't go on. Yeah. 
think about what you've done. <laughs> Shh. Be respectful. The demise of a once proud Marxist enclave. <laughs> Anybody got the time? Well, I wonder if they'll get Banana Rama and the Bangles maybe to do a Simon double billing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and people are clapping. <laughs> Way to be strong for the people of Evanston. Oh, the dramatics. Oh, the melodramatics. God, uh, how the are death they of Evanston, 312-642-5600, Turnkey Pro answer line. Six four six three six DA Turkey Dapro text line. Ugh. The better question is to what concerts should come to Evanston now that it, there's it's been approved. Uh, Dan Biss had to do the tie breaking vote. It's three to three, three against three four and four 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 actually. four. Oh really? Uh, okay. uh, North uh, Northwestern uh, apparently gives uh, the city of Evanston a hundred million bucks over the next fifteen years. Or neighborhood uh, improvement, right? Or something. Well, for whatever slush fund for Dan Biss and these other. Uh, new Marxist in charge of that godforsaken place. Uh, and um, uh, so interesting, though. So interesting <laughs> to see Dan Biss. You, I mean, people remember Dan Biss? He was this um, obnoxious, uh, pointy-head state senator who ran against Pritzker for the uh, gubernatorial nomination oh, back in right. 2018. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the he's only thing the, he could find was north of Chicago and Evanston. Well, he's a little North Shore mama's boy, and that's where the money came from for his little political career. So he had something to do after he got a, a degree from University of Chicago. I mean, he wasn't obviously going to be released into the wild. He needed the comfort of public office, sinecure for him to be somebody in the community. So now he is. The interesting thing is now he's getting uh, pilloried by... Many of his fellow travelers, because uh -oh. really, I mean, who's left in Evanston besides maybe a handful of people, but besides his fellow travelers, um, the um, one of these organizations, the most livable city organization, uh, David DiCarlo, president of the most livable city organization. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not even interesting to know what their agenda is, uh, said that... Um, Tonight, our city government sided with powerful insiders and the billionaire donor who controls Northwestern Athletics against the families who live in this community. We learned that Mayor Biss is just another politician making backroom deals to advance his career instead of representing the people who elected him. Oh, oh heavens. My, I'm clutching my pearls right now. Heavens, heavens, heavens. Dan Biss is just another politician. Who would have thunk it? As opposed to one of these uh, Marxist ideologues, these uh, these brilliant, selfless leaders that uh, are otherwise representing Evanston and that otherwise are represented within the electorate in Evanston. Mm -hmm. I, I just hope, as I think we all do, that this doesn't end in violence. Everard, I'm just hopeful that this can be settled peacefully. Oh, okay. Remember, the, you don't want to wake the babies. Remember, like, what if we have concerts? The children, they're going to wake up at night. Give me now, a break. I mean, we, be, we, we, we learn to live with it at Wrigley Field, okay? You have six concerts a year. Yawn. That's nothing. Uh, to be fair, well, it depends on who the concerts are. If it's Slayer, that may be oh, a little bit different. I want but Poison or Corn. Poison or Corn? To, to perform. Those, well, well, 
Poison is like a pop hair band and Corn is like heavy metal. Like, I know. I'm just saying they're both loud groups. I think that that would be good for the people. They're both loud heard. groups. Yeah, it's just what a, not what a wonderful, peaceful music. Wonderful. Uh, thank you, Kurt Loder. That's <laughs> wonderful saying. commentary. Hey, you're, you're nice. so rock and you're so rock and roll. <laughs> I am. Tony Southside, you're Definitely on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Amy, my lamb, and uh, Mr. Prof. I think I got a good uh, opening uh, concert for them. Uh-huh. I'm thinking Tragically Hip opening up for The Cure. Now, my understanding is that Rob Smith still has that permanent mascara around his eyes, which would be great. It's yeah. Cure the Residence. Yeah, but the only thing I think, didn't Gord Sinclair die in Tragically Hip? I think he's no longer with the band. I think he passed away. But nonetheless, it'd be, you know, maybe they've got a replacement for him. I think it'd be great. Tragically Hip and The Cure. Um, Tony, the, Robert Smith is not going to scare anybody because half the residents look like Robert Smith. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Tony. You know, that's what most of the most of the men are, are you know, aging, uh, well, aging Cure fans and impersonators. Uh-huh. You saw some of them actually uh, in public comments. Actually, I watched it, some of it the, in, in addition to E.B. Russell. There's a lot of entertainment there with oh, these yeah. sort of uh, 60s refugees. That it's are like still, Vermont. Still trying to stick it to the man. Yeah. By the way, I mean, it, there is just a point of order here. I don't really care one way or the other, honestly, because I have I'm just so indifferent to the, the plight of both of those communities. But um, it is worth noting that uh, the stadium has been there for 95 years. Yeah. So um, you didn't anticipate uh, a little upgrade there, a little renovation. Some, at some point, there would be expansion, renovation. I mean, it's just sort of attendant to big public venues. We understand this, right? So it's a little bit uh, specious, I think, to um, uh, you know claim that you've just realized there's this potential of public nuisance in your neighborhood. Greg in Jefferson Park. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, it's similar to the people move to Park Ridge and bitch about the airplanes landing at O'Hare. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think they ought to have a uh, like a satanic Saturday. Good call on Slayer, by the way. Ozzy Osbourne can get Tommy Iommi and uh, the band back together. Get Black Sabbath over there, Metallica, a bunch of other guys. Danzig. Yeah. Ozzy can do. Uh, he can. You know what? He can uh, go both sides here. He can get the transgender and castrate him on stage, and uh, you know, get the blood wow. flowing like he used to do in the old days <laughs> to uh, prove that he does uh, go with the other side as well. Wow! Thanks for the call, that got, Greg. That got graphic quickly. That would have been. Uh, that's that would really be uh, an encore to biting the head off a bat. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm thinking. I mean, you know, keep it in more though in line with the surrounding community. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's sort of, sort of a, a an overture, a peace offering that could be made by uh, Daniel Biss and company, the Evanston to the disgruntled Evanstonians as well as to the Wilmetians, and you know do like a like a Lilith Fair type of thing, um, you know like all lesbians. Yeah, um, Melissa Etheridge can get up there. Indigo Girls. Yeah, who else? Um. Elton John. Yeah, we need yes three one two six four two five six zero zero. Who do you want to see? They're going to have six concerts a year. Who do you want to see perform there? It's got to be a big enough get to fill. I mean, more than half the seats, don't you think? Well, why do we care? Uh, who do you want to inflict upon that community? I'm, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to a concert. What do oh, I care? I'm going. 
Uh, John and Piatone. Hi there. Uh, in reference to who you were comparing some of the older guys uh, dressing up like some of those groups, a perfect example would be Peter Griffin's Family Guy and a Kiss band dressing up like Kiss. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for the call. I'm thinking... Um, She's not Kiss. Um, well, I just, well, uh, Erasure. Oh, yeah. Um, Something light in the loafers. Judas Priest. Uh, Rick Aston. Uh, Rick Astley is Astley, his name. I mean. I don't know who Rick Aston is, but. <laughs> Rick Astley, yeah. I might. Never gonna give you whoop. It's you know, that a godforsaken it, song. People will be surprised to learn that Amy got her start as an MTV VJ. <laughs> uh, Joe in Hoffman Estates. Debbie Gibson. Yeah. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, you guys aren't thinking of the poor children of Evanston at all. What they should do is have a couple of thousand migrants there to put on a play, and then they could just stay there till the next play. Thanks for the call, Joe. Um, obviously, uh, you're thinking village people. Village people oh, would be a yeah. big hit there. Um, well, I guess with all the 60s refugees, you probably need to go a little bit psychedelic. Or you go the other way. You do like a Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, yeah. Although Ease them think, into it. Don't, you know. I don't think they're all with us anymore. Larry and Elmhurst. Hey, good morning. They, they should have Chicago's own chief keep and uh, have little Dirk as oh his backup. That will draw in a nice crowd into that area over there. Yeah, chief keep. Hey, Got it. You know what I was going to say before I didn't get, was able to get on? That land they sold at 183rd in Harlem where that mental health center was, I believe that was sold for a dollar. Why don't they send all the the illegals over there? Uh, to to over there. Uh, is, yeah. that, is that is that is that uh is it open? Is, it... is that hospital uh you know uh... they tore it all down. It's right next to the train station. They get right. Off the, uh, well, well, the so train so right it's there. just so it's just vacant land. Yeah, but they could put tents up there. Well, sure, but yeah, yeah I think that, thanks for the caller. I think they're trying to do more than tents. We got a lot of activity in our text messages. Dan and Amy share Barbara Streisand, the boss, and call it Libfest. Not bad. Uh, Madonna, wham! But I think he's gone now. Well, and George Michael's George gone. George Michael's gone, but, but not the rest of uh, the Dixie Chicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just have Ryan Field have host a pro-Palestinian rally. Dixie Chicks, Bananarama, Bananarama, Bangles, Go Go's. I, I don't want to throw Pat Benatar in there because she's talented. I'm trying to avoid talent. Madonna coming up with this. Um, yeah, Madonna, uh, might be uh, Indigo Girls, Melissa Etheridge. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to throw Katie Lang in there because she's talented. Is that R. Kelly? R. Kelly. If he, he could do a prison, or he could do Dick. a Zoom conference. No, it'd be R. Concert. Kelly from Ryan Field. That would be like Johnny Cash from Folsom Prison. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Also, Kanye West. Do we have Kanye's oh. uh, new single? A little riff from Kanye. Kanye West released a, a new single uh, yeah. now that he's got to start all over. Um, yeah. Well, do you think this, you like it? I think that, well, I I don't like it, but I'm I'm sure all the teenagers and the uh, uh, the 50-year-olds pretending to be teenagers in Wilmette and Evanston will take a listen. Real catchy. Brody, tell me who the m- is, man, they all fine. Hooligans, and we with the foolish biz. I'm anti-Semitic, I just... The Jewish bitch, I just oh, school this yeah, 
putting about the ass, pull up with the switches. This ain't Jimmy Butler, but the heat got extensions. This ain't Columbine, but we came in with the, the trenches. Leader. I ain't falling cause a boyfriend bought the necklace. With the trenches, Precious. with the trenches. I scratched another mm. woman up off my checklist. With the trenches. Oh, he sounds like he's doing yeah, he's mentally stable. I'm glad he took uh, the time off to get it together. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they, there's probably a, a class at Nutria uh, on Kanye West songs. I can uh, interpret the lyrics because they're they're so complicated to interpret. Um, they're so deep. Uh, so, so there's so, such talent there when he's not uh, sampling Ray Charles. But uh, but I digress because I know a lot of these. Uh, Suburban offals, these uh, ghastly honkies in places like Evanston and Wilmette like to stay au courant. So they like to pretend like they're down with uh, well, whatever. Well, before before he got uh, hit for being anti-Semitic, they're down with the Kanye scene. And then they're down with the Chance the Rapper scene because they're so current. So, you know, uh, Cardi B, Dan and Amy. Sure. Wow. Cardi B. Cardi B and Kanye. Yep. And that Cardi Kanye should open up for Cardi B. And then somebody else put Ooh. Rockford's own cheap trick. Yeah. What about the Wiggles and Teletubbies for a matinee? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, pro- I mean, you know, right. One of the concerts could just be like a big drag queen story hour. I mean, oh. it doesn't have to be a concert concert. It just has to be a, I mean, it's just an opportunity to have a, a show, a performance. Right. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the president actually weighed in on this. Uh, he uh, talking about uh, the concerts that should be at uh, at the Ryan Field. He apparently got word that uh, Daniel Biss was going to be the tie-breaking vote. Thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. Look. Oh, my God. First of all, it's Taylor Swift that's down in Brazil, not Britney Spears. And I think it's called the Aramis Tour. I don't know what he was trying to call he it. Was conf- he confused <laughs> uh, Beyonce for Britney uh, for, and the location for Taylor. Yeah. So it's a nice uh, threefer there from POTUS. Yeah. But sure, I mean, uh, Beyonce, but, uh, probably too small. Yeah. And that's it's too mainstream. It's too mainstream for Evanston and Wilmette. They're cutting edge. They're avant-garde. They're better than that. Maybe Bjork opening for Eminem. <laughs> you know, you got to do something very eclectic. Uh, Rich in Indian Head Park. Good morning, gang. Good morning, Amy. What about Queen? Uh, I don't know how to break it to you, Rich. Um, Freddie Mercury not with us anymore. Yeah. Mm. This just in. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM560. The answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. 
So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. A Jen Psaki, the former White House spokeswoman, she preceded KJP, remember? Oh, yeah. She has a show on MSNBC now. You may not know because why would you watch if you weren't forced to do it as part of your job like we are? And, um, you know, trying to make a splash. You get people on there that uh, say outlandish things. You want to one-up the other guy if you're a card-carrying member of the new Marxists. Up the uh, one up the other guy when it comes to being aggressive in the direction of Donald Trump and anybody that would support Trump, even reluctantly. And so enter Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman is this uh, former prosecutor who tells you everything you need to know about why you shouldn't trust a prosecutor in public office just because they were a former prosecutor. Jamie Raskin was a former prosecutor, too. In fact, as you know, my default position, I don't trust prosecutors uh, running on either side, Republican or Democrat. My default is to be skeptical of prosecutors because they are transactional, not philosophical. There are exceptions. And I'm sure you can think of some just as I can. But as a rule, you think prosecutor, you think law and order on the side of law and order, on the side of public safety. And uh, I think we know from experience now, if we didn't pre-Soros funded prosecutors, that that's not the case. So Dan Goldman on uh, Trump and the threat that he poses because of, you know, whatever things he said recently on Truth Social or in interviews. It's just the latest. It never changes. It's just, again, a contest to see who can be most aggressive. Well, uh, Dan Goldman may be the leader in the clubhouse after this comment. But his rhetoric is really getting dangerous, more and more dangerous. And we saw what happened on January 6th when he uses inflammatory rhetoric now. And his recent true social post uh, is incredibly, incredibly scary for anyone uh, that might be trying to op- work in government. And um, it is just uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy, uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. Eliminated. That's an odd choice of words. Defeated. Right. But eliminated. Prevented. Was he going to say annihilated next? Why? Eliminated. Eliminate Trump. Is that going to be the campaign slogan for the Dems next year, uh, 
312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. We're probably on this side a bit inured to language like that. And I know the other side would argue, oh, the Trump's rhetoric and this and that. Yeah, but the difference is when Trump engages in rhetorical excess, uh, it's challenged from conservatives like me. Um, when uh, Dan Goldman says something like that, it goes unchallenged because it's frankly unremarkable and it's reflective of the actual viewpoint. I mean, they want him to be imprisoned, if not put to death, even though they're ostensibly opposed to the death penalty, for uh, treason, don't they? Isn't that what they made clear? So I guess, you know, the reaction to Dan Goldman's comment that came swiftly yesterday. Well, I mean, he's just saying what they believe. It's just like when you have uh, these pro-Hamas protesters saying the most uh, disgusting and intemperate things about Jews. They're just saying what they believe. You should thank them for being honest, as opposed to pretending they don't hold the views they do. Now you can confront it head on. Well, it just sounds like he's promoting violence against Trump. In that well, statement. whether he's promoting violence or not, he's um, he wants a, a, a resolution that's pretty definitive. Right. But he doesn't get to choose who holds public office and somebody needs to set him straight. Oh, set him straight. Yeah. This is not setting straight, please. Let's not let's not like play that game. There's no, there's no setting Dan Goldman straight. Let, let's recognize when people demonstrate who they are, then just recognize it. Now you know what you're dealing with. You're not going to correct Dan Goldman. You're not going to turn him into somebody he's not. He's an absolute mercenary for the authoritarian left. That's what he is. Now you know. So act accordingly. I mean, uh, here's, for example... Because we've had uh, recent uh, interactions with Dan Goldman. He is making more and more profoundly, well, disturbing statements, some that are comical to try to raise his profile. Because, you know, I mean, that's sort of the game. And and again, it, it plays the other way, too. You go on these cable news shows and you make outlandish statements and then you put it into an email correspondence to raise money and you get back on TV because you made the outlandish statements and then you get back in the mailbox and the email box to raise money because you're raising money from a base that is more consumed with hating the other guy than being clear-eyed about where they want the country to go. Remember what Dan Goldman had to say about the Devin Archer interview? that Tucker Carlson did and his testimony before Congress, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's former business partner, and uh, him putting Biden in these business meetings and Hunter Biden making sure, you know, uh, hey, my dad's on the phone, everybody. Say hi, Dad. Mm -hmm. well, Doesn't that contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates? Clearly, he talked, whether it's about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict him? I don't know what his comment is, and if we're going to—well, I don't, I don't think that's what he said. 
He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, is he supposed to say, hi, son? No, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. The son is at dinner with. And that is literally all the evidence is. Um, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that's the fork tongued former prosecutor. First of all, he did literally verbatim say, I never spoke with anyone. So that's a lie. And Dan Goldman is lying. And then, of course, uh, to uh, suggest what he's suggesting is, I'm sure he would say, is just arguing in the alternative as a good barrister. But as a prosecutor, he would laugh at the response that he gave. But it doesn't matter. He's not a prosecutor. He's a politician. And he probably was as a prosecutor, too. Yep. How about Dan Goldman on migrants? Oh, can't wait the, to hear this one. The, the migrant situation? You've, you've heard something about this? Do you not think that the migrant crisis or the southern border situation is at all a security threat to New Yorkers? I, I don't think it's any more of a security threat to New Yorkers uh, than domestic violent extremism or other threats. That's the kind of uh, middling, frankly, uh, humiliating responses you get from someone like Dan Goldman. And so now you just move from giving the lobotomized leftist apparatchiks their talking point on the big guy and, and the influence peddling to the open borders to... The former president. I mean, Dan Goldman is a case study in this. He's not the only one that does it, but uh, he's a wonderful example of how it's done. Tony in Riverside, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. The hypocrisy. They're all up in arms that Trump used the word vermin. And no one's upset about this word eliminated. It's It's... You can't buy ignorance, really. Thanks for the call, Tony. Well, and, and I'm just waiting for uh, our our very own senior senator, Saka Durbin, to come out and say, oh, my gosh, we need to restore civility in our political discourse because of the things Trump has said recently, while, of course, blithely ignoring the things that Dan Goldman, Rashida Tlaib, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and my best Yul Brenner have said on a range of topics. That's how they do it. Another case study. Got a text message uh, from Alex P. Keaton. Amy, we are at war. The Marxist left is playing for keeps. They want conservatives jailed or eliminated. It's time to fight back. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, little Marco gave an interview uh, to a Florida media outlet the other day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, his perspective on Trump and Biden and particularly on Biden versus Trump in our hemisphere, but in terms of relationships with Central and South America, relationships that are important for all sorts of reasons, commercial reasons, but also uh, border security and thus national security reasons uh, um, and um, geopolitical reasons. 
what uh, our relationships with our allies in this hemisphere and our approach to enemies in this hemisphere tell the world about America. It's a very thoughtful uh, rundown that Rubio gave. Uh, first, his sort of setup to that in terms of uh, where things stand with Trump versus Biden. Even people who don't like some of the things Trump says have to admit that the country was safer, more respected. We didn't have a mass migration crisis. Our economy was better. All these things when Trump was in office. And, and so I think there's a lot of people that are like, you know, no matter what we may feel about what he said about this or that, I mean, our lives were better and the country was safer. Yeah, it's a pretty good bottom line. It's a pretty good tagline for Trump commercials. Our lives were better and the country was safer. Any yeah, I don't care what he tweets. I don't care how he's acted or his past behavior with women. Our, our lives were better when he was president. Well, here's the thing about that. So um, by the numbers, the left knows this, too. Mm-hmm. And certainly the, the leftist message makers. And so what do you do? Well, if you can't win on the merits because you're just not going to be able to gaslight enough people deeply enough, and the numbers right now highlight that, then what do you do? Threat to our democracy. Right. Go back to the old authoritarian. He needs to be eliminated. That's what you have to do. They're starting that all over again. It's got to be that you he is, you know, we will lose America as a free society. It is going to be uh, the Reich American style under Trump. That's what they have to try to sell. That's what they're selling. So anyway, back to Rubio, though, on America and the uh, foreign policy we don't talk enough about, frankly. Uh, Our relationships with our within Central and South America. This is good. Donald Trump was in the White House, and we worked very closely with him on this. Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, um, you know, just Peru, uh, for a little while, Bolivia of all places, Ecuador. I mean, we had this arc of nations in the region all united, not just against Maduro and what he was doing, but with pro-American policies. All that's gone. Argentina is now anti-American. The new president of Colombia is a leftist, uh, anti-American guy who undermines everything we're for. Brazil has switched back as well. Now, maybe some elections will fix some of these places. But we went from having a unity in the region that aligned with our views, including in the Caribbean basis, to, to now a bunch of countries that have flipped and a bunch of countries that want to be friendly to the United States that feel like this administration treats their friends bad and their enemies good. We cut deals with Maduro, but we, but we you know, were harsh on the president of El Salvador, who was friendly with Trump, and, but this administration has been hostile towards them. Ignore the presidents of the Dominican Republic and, and their needs to actually at one point impose sanctions on them and visa sanctions because... They were trying to deal with the illegal immigration from Haiti that was coming into the Dominican Republic. Panama feels ignored. Um, you know, you go down the list of all the countries that, that want to be friendly to the U.S. The president of Guatemala, the outgoing president, was a U.S. ally. He didn't even go to the summit of the Americas because this administration beat him up over the fact that um, you know, they had socially conservative policies in a socially conservative country. So what you hear repeatedly from leaders in the region is it seems that it's better to be America's enemy than friend because if you're your friend you get sanctioned and mistreated if you're the enemy you get deals and concessions and that's a very dangerous place to be so it's a indeed we treat our uh, enemies like our friends and we cut deals with our enemies it's a very bad place to be it is it's succinctly said by rubio something else uh, trump should uh, repurpose and frankly the other republican candidate should repurpose too because rubio is spot on mm-hmm. dan and amy chicago's morning answer 
It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. It's time for Animal Stories with Uncle Dan and Little Amy. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy are a little tribute to Larry Lujak and a little Tommy. Uncle Larry and a little Tommy. Yeah, that's us. Um, so uh, I'm paying attention to the Ed Burke trial because nobody else seems to be particularly concerned. Talked about this with Cass a little bit on Friday. He's paying attention, too. That's just the two of us, I think. But anyway, um, forgetting the particulars of the testimony yesterday, federal judge Virginia Kendall, she's the judge presiding over the Burke trial. She apparently has two Bernese Mountain Dogs named Birdie and Junebug. <laughs> what? Bernese Mountain Dog? Those things are huge. Junebug? Birdie, Birdie and Junebug. Okay. Those are their names. And these comfort dogs are in the courtroom. And yesterday, they had to take a recess because, because allegedly one of the dogs, either Birdie or Junebug, I'm not sure which, there'll be another trial on that, uh, had an accident. You mean, did they drop a deuce? I don't know exactly. And by the way, I, I, I'm... It's alleged that it was one of the dogs. You do have an octogenarian on trial. It could hey, have been Burke. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo. Um, it's possible. But anyway. Are you um, serious? They had to recess because. What? Why, why, why do you have comfort dogs in a federal courtroom? 312-642-5600. Turnkey.pro. Answer line. 64636-DA. Turnkey.pro. Taxable. You know, I'm, I'm a friend of animals, big and small, but. I mean, don't you just find that a little unprofessional? Comfort dogs? Hey, Judge, Judge Kendall isn't blind. They're not service dogs. She's not a veteran suffering from PTSD. They're not service dogs. They're huge. They're comfort dogs. Is that appropriate? Or I'm being, uh, I'm going to get reported to the ASPCA or something. Uh, the Chicago Sun-Times did an expose on Junebug and Birdie. Um, these things are humongous. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know why they're needed. I mean, maybe the judge, Virginia Kendall, uh, maybe she doesn't feel safe without them. What? I mean, maybe they're protector, protecting her. Maybe she's had threats or something, and she feels that she needs these. I'm just trying to figure out why. Protecting? It's a federal courthouse. They, they've they got uh, security guards. This they got metal true. detectors. They have bailiffs. What are you talking about? It's just It's just all this sort of... I don't know. It's just like the infantilization thing again to me. It's un- I think it's unprofessional, number one, and I think it's sort of infantilizing. The whole thing's, oh, everybody in the courthouse loves them. That's fine. I mean, I, I like dogs, too. I like my dog. But, I, I mean, in a court of law, I don't know. It just, it just strikes me as a degradation of – a further degradation of the whole – Environment. Perhaps I'm making too much of it, but it's just a symbolic thing. It's not a huge thing. It doesn't impact the rule of law per se, but the perception. It just uh, connotes a lack of seriousness to me. Or shows a sign of weakness or just seriousness? Well, uh, weakness. Just just seriousness. I, I don't know. 
I mean, we talked about this with respect to planes to some extent. You know, everybody's got to have their comfort peacock everywhere. And you just sort of open the floodgates to this stuff. Um, it's just there's no... Like, um, you know, time and place for everything sort of argument. It's a cultural thing. And I just there's just sort of no uh, social mores or boundaries with respect to some of this stuff. I mean, you know, that's like the animal friendly restaurant. Fine. Well, that's a marketing play. And then that. okay, I get that. But in a public. I'm not talking about a public place of accommodation. I'm talking about public in terms of taxpayer funded government, uh, a. Uh, institution uh, within which uh, the freedom of Americans is on the line. And it's like, oh, look at the, come here, June bug. And she's just like the whole thing. Oh, it relaxes everybody and it it removes the tension from the environment. Perhaps it should be a tense environment. There's a lot on the line. I don't know. Maybe well, that's the curmudgeon in me, but I just think the whole thing is weird. And then you have this, you have this accident, and you got to recess. It just, it just creates to me a, like a carnival-like atmosphere, even more of a carnival-like atmosphere than in the than than already exists in the courts today. Well, there shouldn't have been. I mean, you can't control your dogs. You should be because you shouldn't have a delayed because your animal got sick. She said, "Quote: I guess I'm going to have to be more careful about the treats that are being given." Yeah, I, I, I think I, your main job should be focusing on the trial at hand, but yeah, I, I don't need, I don't want commentary from the judge on it. I don't care. I think I, I blah blah, whatever. That's the whole thing. It just evolves into silliness. What is this? This is about you and your oh. relationship with your dogs. Oh, this, this is great. According to the judge, one of the dogs managed to snag a bag of treats that had been given, uh, that was brought in by one of the jurors. And helped itself to more than its fair share. Why are the jurors feeding who, these who, dogs? Because this was it's like a petting zoo. It's not a court of law. What, what the hell? This is what I'm talking about. Good. Now uh, get uh, Junebug and Birdie on the, the cocaine deal in the White House. Maybe they can f- flesh that out, too, while they're at it. They're not. Are they crime-solving dogs? No. Well, according to the Chicago Sun-Times expose that they did on Birdie and uh, Junebug, they've been at the Dirksen Federal Courthouse stand for years. Yeah, and so? They said they're so there I'm to taking, help people cope with stresses. I'm taking judicial movement. notice of them now. Uh-huh. So let's address it now that we're paying attention to them because there was this moment in the Ed Burke trial. I don't know. All right. I got other animal stories. People don't care about them. Whatever. Well, call it 312-642-5600, turnkey pro answer line. You can also text us at 64636, type, type in DA, then a quick comment. Uh, we've got a bit of a concern about uh, the green sea turtle which is um, uh, endangered, mm-hmm. green sea turtle. Um, there's been some research of the green sea turtle in their habitat, uh, which is uh, on Heron Island, uh, small coral, sand, uh, cay, and uh, the southern Great Barrier Reef. Uh, they're you know, down under. Uh, anyway, um, here's what they find. Um, the team, the research team, recorded le- levels of organic contaminants like polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons and polychlorinated biphenyl- biphenyls and polybrominated diphenyl ethers. Uh, the, uh, one of the research, these contaminants are all known or suspected to function as xenoestrogens or molecules that bind to the receptors for female sex hormones. 
Accumulation of these contaminants by female turtles happens at foraging sites, and eggs develop within her. They absorb the con- as eggs develop within her, they absorb the contaminants she accumulated and sequester them in the liver of the embryos, where they can stay for years after hatching. So what happens? What happens is you're getting feminized male sea turtles. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because, well, number one, the green sea turtle is an endangered species. You need males and females to propagate the species. This just in. Uh, But why it's important is because I think we should investigate and call for an investigation, research into the waters in Lake Michigan off the, you know, in Chicago on uh, our lakefront. Off of Navy Pier? Well, the lakefront. Yeah. We should investigate the waters there because perhaps they have these organic contaminants as well, the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, the polychlorinated biphenyls, and the polybrominated diphenyl ethers. And that explains why so many men in the western and north and north and northwest suburbs are feminized in Chicagoland. Oh, what do you think? It's just saying. a theory. I'm not yeah. a scientist. Okay. Uh, Kathy and Joliet, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Dan. Hi, Amy. So back to the dog thing. A um, couple things. In hospital settings, they use comfort dogs, obviously, to de-stress people that are all wound up. Those people are handled by professional handlers. It's not bring your dog to work day. And they know not to eliminate any body waste when they're on service or in service. Um, I've worked in a school setting for 20 years, and we had miniature horses come into the school as a comfort animal. And they wear their little vests, and the trainer told me, he go, they go, they'll go in your elevators, they'll go wherever we take them, and they know not to do any bodily waste while they have their vests on. So th- are these dogs the judges, bring your dog to work day kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, unless, you de- unless you deputize them and they're the, the official bailiffs in the courtroom, like Rusty and Wapner, I don't know. But it's but the whole I mean, thing is the whole thing's absurd. Thanks for the call, Kathy. I mean, yeah, I understand comfort dogs for people that are sick. I mean, children's hospitals, stuff like that. You know, as long as the kids aren't allergic, great, fine. Right, but whatever. this is a courtroom, and the yeah. jurors are bringing <laughs> treats for the dogs. The jurors should be focusing on the task at hand. Well, I mean, so it's not that the jurors aren't focused. I mean, they could have fed them before. Whatever, that's material. Yeah, but if your mind goes off, you could just stare at the dog like, oh, you're in a federal. It's a federal corruption trial. Right. That's that's the point. Phil and Barrington. Dan. Yeah. Hey, I you know I don't call in. You and I just you and I communicated in a whole lot of other ways, but I just had to call in this time. You know, my wife and I are in a fast food not a fast food fast food casual restaurant the other day and somebody's got their dog in the restaurant with us, they're feeding them their food that they had ordered. But my, my point and in in my concern about this is what happens to somebody like my wife and my son who are very allergic to dogs and cats? They're bringing them on airplanes. What if the dog sits next to you in an airplane and you're allergic to him? What are you supposed to do? You tell the flight attendant and they move you to another seat. Do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, they got to get they got to get buy in if the plane's full, though, right? But thanks for the call, Phil. Yeah, I, I listen. The, the whole the whole boundaries thing, the you know, Georgia and Odessa, Georgia and Odessa, Florida. Yeah, and our last caller just 
stole my sunshine. I was thinking, doesn't this taint the jury pool? I mean, if you're uh, allergic to, to dog hair, you're out, yeah. right, from the get uh, well, it might the call, George. taint the jury pool because Ed Burke is also uh, petting these dogs. According to this Sun-Times article, they're available. To, they've been comforting lawyers, witnesses, jurors, and even the defendant like Ed Burke. Oh, so okay. that shows that, oh, he's compassionate. He likes dogs. That might change their opinion about him. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's just the whole thing. is just a circus. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. It's time for In-Depth History with Frank from Arlington Heights because there's nothing new in this world, just the history you don't know. A Thanksgiving-themed history, In-Depth History with Frank from Arlington Heights today. Frank, go to it. Good morning. As we look forward to Thursday, you most likely know that our Thanksgiving tradition started in 1621 when the pilgrims celebrated with the natives and thanked God for the bountiful harvest that year. You also most likely know that President Lincoln first declared it a national holiday in 1863 after the brutal Battle of Gettysburg. But the actual first call for a national day of Thanksgiving was made by the Second Continental Congress in November 1777, right after the victory at the Battle of Saratoga in New York. It was here that General Horatio Gates stopped General John Burgoyne's advance down the Hudson River from Canada. With this victory, as George Washington and his army were dealing with cold, starvation, and disease at Valley Forge, Benjamin Franklin, over in Paris, was now able to convince the French to recognize the American government. Having already experienced the passion of Lafayette, we now benefited from the grit of General Rochambeau and the serendipity of Admiral Degrassi at Yorktown. After the war, a proclamation of a national Thanksgiving continued under Washington and Adams, while Jefferson desisted because of his strict interpretation of the Establishment Clause, and then it was only made intermittently until Lincoln's declaration in 1863. Finally, in 1941, Congress officially made it the fourth Thursday in November, as it is today. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, Frank. And uh, by the way, of course, all of this uh, that you describe, all of that history was leading up to this Thanksgiving Day, where finally we will have gender fluid floats in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. From 1777 no. all the way to 2023, that was all leading up to this moment, wow, right? Wow, our forefathers would be yes. so proud. The vision well. that uh, they had. I'm going to have to do some more research, though, to see if George Washington needed a support dog at Valley <laughs> Forge. <laughs> Next time I go out there, I'll, I'll research it. Yeah, it's, it's, the Continental Army loved him. Uh, thanks for the call, Frank, and the in-depth history with Frank from Arlington Heights. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, the ignorance on display with these pro-Hamas protests, they have every right to peacefully protest. That's not the issue. The issue is the debate. And the quality of the content coming from the protesters, like you saw in Chicago over the weekend. 
Oh, yeah. And, and, and they're, they're not going to stop anytime soon because, oh, just listen to this lady. They're counting on our fatigue and they're counting on us to forget and move on. And we keep showing up and each protest gets bigger and bigger and each demonstration gets a little bit more disobedient in the sense that we are shutting, you know, streets down in a way that we never have before. Uh, I mean, it's infuriating. So they took over Lakeshore Drive. Then they were screaming at police and fighting with police. CPD, let us march. Let us march! You know, eventually they just did what they wanted to. They took down the barricades and helped themselves to Lakeshore Drive. People trying to go to the hospital. People trying to see the Mickey Mouse Parade on Michigan Avenue. And they just had to sit there uh, for more than an hour and wait for them to clear to get them off the roads so what it's nothing new in chicago something new yeah but That's their attitude that, is changing i think it's it's nothing new in chicago this is what we tolerate we tolerated it five years ago when flager and company shut down the dan ryan so i mean so so let's just let's have a little institutional memory here this is the precedent that we set and we believe in Chicago collectively, the majority believes, and certainly the political power structure, that uh, all that matters is the righteousness of your cause related to leftist, leftist orthodoxy. And as that righteousness increases, the concern over the rule of law decreases. It's a pretty simple formula. So I don't know why people are surprised about the shutdown of Lakeshore Drive over the weekend. That's what's done here. So you should have gotten used to it by now. And nobody does anything about it, so don't be surprised when it repeats itself. So that's the, the protesters. And then, of course, they get the celebrity speakers at these protests who are just as ignorant as most of the protesters. A good example of this is actress Susan Sarandon, who's ubiquitous at these things, uh, with her... P hat, you know, firmly on, even if only metaphorically. She had uh, this to say to protesters at one of these events to extol the virtues of Hamas and decry the existence of the Jews. There are a lot of people that are afraid, afraid of being Jewish at this time and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country so often uh, subjected to violence. It's important to listen. It's important to have facts. Try to take a breath before you answer. And if it's possible, have a conversation. You don't have to go through the entire history of that region. You can just show the babies that have been dying in incubators, the family and the love that people have for their loved ones when they're blown to pieces. Those images are enough to show you that something is drastically wrong. So uh, Jews are getting a taste of what it means to be Muslim in America. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us on our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Asra Nomani is uh, Muslim in America. She was a former Wall Street Journal correspondent. She worked with Daniel Pearl. You remember Daniel Pearl was the Wall Street Journal reporter who was kidnapped and murdered, beheaded by terrorists, Islamist terrorists in Pakistan. 
Uh, Ajwa Nomani has uh, also been involved in anti-CRT, uh, you know, pro-America curriculum in uh, Northern Virginia, Fairfax and Loudoun counties, ground zero for the Glenn Youngkin victory. She responded to Susan Sarandon. She's, again, Muslim. Uh, Susan Sarandon, this is my mom and my dad and me on the rail trail in Morgantown, West by God, Virginia. Let me tell you what it means to be Muslim in America. First, your backstory. At an anti-Israel protest in New York City, you said that a lot of people are afraid, afraid of being Jewish at this time and getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country. Let me give you a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in America. My dad didn't have to become a second-class indentured servant to one of many tyrants of Muslim countries that use immigrants from India, like my family, as essential slaves. In 1975, after getting his Ph.D. at Rutgers, he was about to go to Libya, a Muslim country, led by a Muslim, Gaddafi, to work like a servant with a Ph.D. for a wealthy dictator. But then the phone rang one day, and I picked it up. It was West Virginia University calling, and my dad got a job as an assistant professor of nutrition. He got rejected first for tenure, but being Muslim in America meant he got the right, like everybody got, his right to appeal. And guess what? He won and became a full professor. That's what it means to be a Muslim in America. My mom, being Muslim in America, meant she got to live free with the, her, with the wind in her hair, like other uh, Muslims fight for women in the Muslim nation of Iran to be able to enjoy, like uh, that uh, uh, Linajad Masi that was profiled in 60 Minutes the other week we talked about last week. And what did living free mean for my mom uh, as a Muslim in America? It meant in 1981 she got to start a business on High Street in downtown Morgantown called uh, Ains International. This is something that um, others wished women could have the right to do in the Muslim nation of Saudi Arabia. But guess what? That entrepreneurship and financial independence is denied Muslim women in so many Muslim countries. That summer my mom started her business. I got on a plane at Pittsburgh Airport for Oklahoma, and I went away from home at 16 for a National Science Foundation camp without a male chaperone or right deny Muslim women and girls in Saudi for so long. In another taste of being a Muslim in America, my family got a pathway to citizenship. You think the Muslim dictatorship of Qatar allows a pathway to citizenship for Muslim slaves, servants, or Palestinian Muslims? Hell no. I'm going to fast forward because this is a taste of what it means to be Muslim in America. In 2002, I fled Pakistan with a souvenir that could have gotten me imprisoned or killed, a baby growing inside of me a wedding ring not upon my hand. Sharia law makes sex outside of marriage a crime in Muslim countries like Pakistan. Where do you think I came to give birth to my baby in safety and security without shame? West by God, Virginia, the United States of America, where we enjoy equal rights as Muslim Americans, not Americans. This is a taste of life for a Muslim family in America. Please don't minimize the experience of Jewish Americans by sanitizing the hell that it is for Muslims living in Muslim countries and vilifying America for the life and freedom she offers Muslims like my family. Go live like a Muslim woman in a Muslim country. You will come back to America and kiss the land beneath your feet. Hmm. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Do you think she read that response? Uh, well, it's getting around, so I hope she I hope so. uh, takes judicial notice of it, or at least others do uh, who are cheerleading Susan Sarandon and saying things just as silly, if not more silly than she is, probably doesn't happen to that crowd because they've been programmed through the school system and these uh, race-hustling identitarian 
individuals that control most of the civil and civic and cultural institutions in America. But maybe it breaks through at some places. She certainly has the standing, doesn't she, Miss uh, Nomani, to address the topic. Uh, Will and Skokie are on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Will. Will. You there? Hello? Go ahead, Will. Okay. You notice when Saradin was talking, she was saying, don't get caught up in the history or the facts. Just think of the emotion. Just think of the dead babies. Um, Also, for that, what you just read, uh, the same applies to Muslim women living in Israel. They have the same rights as anybody in Israel does, and a hell of a lot more than the other country. The new chant we should do is, from the river to the sea, Israel will always be. Thank you. Thanks for the call. That's a good spin. Very good. That's a good rejoinder, Will. Pretty good. Um, yeah, it's the other thing, too, is the the um, just minimization of the October 7th terrorist attack. She doesn't call Hamas, Susan Sarandon, she doesn't call Hamas a terrorist group. She calls it the resistance, sanitizing, sanitizing barbarism, which is what the left does generally. You have to cherry pick in order to keep the solidarity and marginality coalition together. Even as Susan Sarandon is you know, suggesting deliberation, uh, let's uh, take a breath and facts are important. Make sure we think before we speak. You know, Hollywood actors, heal thyself. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Dan and Amy, uh, Amy, I've got a uh, side hustle for you this holiday season so you don't have to do the uh, Gene Simmons dress-up thing again. Okay, what do, what do you got? Cause, and I, I figure you probably watch these movies anyway, but a uh, flower subscription company named Bloomsy Box... Bloom- Hello, excuse you. ...is hiring one person to be their Christmas movie maven to watch and rank 12 of Hallmark's oh. most beloved Christmas specials. Oh, my God. They come home, they meet their high school love, and they get married. The, That's pretty now, much the premise of every Hallmark film. The categories uh-huh. uh, that you'll have to rate the each of the films uh, upon. Festivity factor. Okay. So, like, probably, like, how festive is the set that's supposed right. to look like this kitschy, you know, small-town America town? Yes, cheeky little town, yes, okay. The cool. You just sort of uh, telegraphed it, the predictability quotient. Oh. Can you see how this is going to end? Like, they, they meet at the market. Oh, there's Jim. He was my first love. There she is. And then they run to each other, and they accidentally, awkwardly bump into each other, and then decide to have coffee, and there, boom, there it goes. Chemistry check is number three. Is it real? Uh, tearjerker test. Ooh. I mean, whoever cries at a Hallmark movie, they have there's something seriously wrong with hey. them. Seek professional okay. help. Hey, have you ever? And repl- I, and I, I, fi- I, I, have you ever okay. watched a Hallmark film? Dan yeah, Croft? yeah. So I know what I'm speaking of. And have you cried or vomited? I, I neither. I'm <laughs> just. I'm. It's just. Oh, I, that's right. You don't I, tear ducks. I, I, I'm just. Uh, it's like a blank stare. Like there's. Uh, <laughs> Like there's a drill being uh-huh. uh, put into my skull. And then replay value is the fifth. Okay. fifth. The chemistry check. That's the most interesting part of it to me. Because... Oh, you know right away. Oh, do you? 
Well, I mean, look at Tim Scott and his alleged girlfriend, Mindy. Why are you so hung up on this? How about the Hallmark movie cast? Because the thing about the Hallmark movies, it's where all the wash-up actors go to continue acting. So this is where you get to see uh, Judith Light and uh, Bruce Boxleitner and Barry Bostwick. You know a lot about these Hallmark films. And uh, Meredith Baxter Burney, Uh although now she would be be a little bit different sort of uh, chemistry test. Mm-hmm. Well, she's 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 gay now. Oh, well. Yeah, she 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 like at, at I don't know like fifty five. Oh, I'm a gay American now, like like Jim McGreevy in New Jersey. Anyway, so um, that's the thing that's interesting is you know seeing what these washed up actors look like, and remembering when they were in shows that you know rose that that in which they rose to some prominence. You know, what does Lisa Welchel look like anymore? Does she, <laughs> you know? Well, right? Rob Lowe, when he was kind of struggling, you know, to, before he became popular again, he was on a lot of well. This is my specials. point, and now that's elevated him back into the mainstream. I think, I think, like Jason Patrick. Remember how much promise Jason Patrick had as an actor, and I think he's been on one of these things at Hallmark or what's the other one, the um, the other channel that's like Hallmark. Oh, I don't. I mean, well, don't you? I thought well, there's you a lot look... of Hallmark melodramas out there. So, I'm... well, there's another channel. I, I mean, know, do, but I don't know. Well, then you're, you're talking about this like this is wheelhouse for you and you cry. Well, you and you're work, like, the Hallmark Channel, you just watch and then you get sucked in and you try not to get sucked in. But there it goes. So what's like, um, you know, a middle aged man who you had a crush, a middle aged actor, male actor who you had a crush on 30 years ago that you now want to see in a Hallmark movie? Maybe you could get into the, you know, the writing and production side of the business, too. <laughs> right. Well, I liked Rob Lowe, so I remember when he came back, I'm like, oh, that's perfect for him. Yeah. Nice films, you know, There's not, they're not dropping F-bombs or slicing people's heads off or anything grotesque. Well, that would be great. That would be, <laughs> that's the Hallmark movie that you want, right? It's like, it's all like the typical uh, formulaic setup, and then James Spader comes to town and he's a serial killer. <laughs> that's, that, now that would be interesting. <laughs> Maybe I should get into that business. <laughs> Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Insert Democrat socialist here. Runs the Democratic House law for 30 plus years running. He's promising this and he's stealing that. Where can you get that kind of money? He's using your house like his own piggy bank, gang, 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 gang. You ought to know by now. You can pay off your house here in Illinois. But you can never keep up with the taxes. Oh, how it's always been the plan. To have a taxpayer pay, no doubt. Not a matter of if anymore, but when. You're moving out. I said, when you're moving out. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. That theme music means it's time for our weekly confab with Ted Dabrowski, president of WirePoints.org, all things Illinois policy related. A quick um, remark was, yeah. to close the loop on our discussion about the Hallmark Channel movies. Yeah, it was Lifetime, Lifetime Channel. Yeah, Lifetime Channel. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I'm not, I can't, like, you can see what uh, Tracy Gold on the Lifetime, but Tracy. Missy Gold on. On Hallmark or Joanna Kearns on Lifetime, but Candace Cameron on Hallmark. I, I don't know how they distribute all these uh, washed up actors and actresses. But anyway, it is interesting. Mm. 
And maybe if you paid a little bit more attention to all of these actors and actresses from your childhood, Amy, uh -huh. you'd be in a more competitive <laughs> position for that uh, that holiday gig, rating the Hallmark movies. Uh -huh. I like the yeah. picture that our producer just sent out. It's almost Christmas, James Almost. Edward James Almost. Edward well, James I guess I guess for you. I guess you can call him James. The rest of us call him Edward James. We don't have the relationship. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I suggested you should tweet that at him. Uh -huh. That's the plot for a Hallmark movie. And then you and Edward James almost, because he's sort of washed up, uh, well, uh, you could be in a Hallmark movie together. Oh, boy. <laughs> Admiral Adamo. Okay. Jaime Escalante. Okay, okay, okay. All right, enough there. Please. So many I great roles. Wanna... Actually, Edward James almost, great actor. He, uh, thank you. Yeah. All because we made out. Ew, did yes. I, just say that? I didn't say he had good taste in women. I just said he was a great actor. Hey. Oh. Okay. I want to go home. All right. This is embarrassing. All right. We have to. Well. Okay. Can we just move on? It's a, the choices we make in life. You know? Okay. Okay. Well, it yeah. happened. I'm not going to deny. Okay. Uh, we have to get on to more substantive <sighs> things. Ted Dabrowski doesn't care about Hallmark movies. He's, or uh, does he, Ted he's, Dabrowski? He's uh, like a, a soulless former banker policy wonk Georgia Tech grad he has no feeling he's like engineering mind no feelings yeah. no, no feelings, feelings no emotion no. he doesn't have the range that a, a man of the 21st century like myself has <laughs> hey, hey I, I am a rom-com fan I love rom-coms oh well what's your favorite rom-com well I knew you were going to ask you that so I have a really bad memory I can't do like Dan and just go through all the different actors and all the different movies I'm, I'm really weak on that so I won't, I won't try to I won't try to go there well, yeah. tell us who the actors are. I just know I like them. Okay. He All just right. likes the, the – I mean, it's sort of one of those things. Unless you are paying attention while you're consuming, they all run together because they're all the same thing, with a few exceptions. Yeah. Um, they I mean, and by the way – Yeah, I mean, like – I mean, you know – and also, too, it. can can you distinguish between comedies? Like, really, you like you like the heartbreak kid. I mean, you, you, I could say you say like I like uh, old school. I like comedies. I like Step Brothers. But like rom coms, really? I mean, the ro there's very few good rom coms. What about my best friend's wedding? That was good. Terrible. terrible. Unwatchable. unwatchable. I know it was Cam Jeez. it was Cameron Diaz's big breakout role, but it's unwatchable. It's a terrible movie. And Julia Roberts is so overrated. Oh my. All right, all right. We can't go down this rabbit hole any further because I, I know I'm gonna get now I'm gonna get all kinds of heat from Julia Roberts fans, including probably Lyle Lovett will criticize me. Okay. Uh, all right, we have to talk about serious things. So, Ted, you're going down to Mantino today to have a little confab with the residents of Mantino about the uh, joint between Governor Jelly Belly and the Chinese Communists to install and uh, a subsidized electric vehicle battery plant in Mantino that uh, a lot of the residents don't seem to want. And by the way, this is against the backdrop of something else that I hope you highlight because this is sort of like locally a microcosm of terrible public policy nationally. This was reported last week. Biden is using the the War Powers Act, the Defense Production Act. So, you know, the... the uh, that you was invoked during COVID and is invoked during wars. He's he's in using the Defense Production Act to unilaterally increase domestic production of green energy technologies. We're at war with the climate. Um, he just grabbed one hundred and seventy million dollars for nine projects across 15 states to accelerate electric heat pump manufacturing, which we don't need. We're not in any shortage of electric heat pump of, of, of heat pumps, by the way. 
There's no shortage of heat pumps, but this is all about trying to find any angle in, however dubious it is legally, to advance their transformation of our economy. The real war isn't on climate change. The real war is on domestic energy production, and maybe Mantino's an example of this. I think I think it's a perfect example. And uh, you know, Mark, Mark Glenn and my partner is going to be speaking. He's one of the speakers at the event. Jeannie Eyes is one of the speakers, and uh, they'll have a lawyer there helping helping kind of defend what's going on. Um, you know, this 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 thing, Mark. You know, Mark discovered he's been kind of leading our effort on this because he looked at the Inflation Reduction Act, and this this kind of ties into exactly what you said about about the I, I call it the the new industrial policy for for America. And in this Inflation Reduction Act, which is supposed to be reducing inflation, you've got these massive, massive subsidies, and 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 the electric vehicle battery manufacturing is one of them. And you know, this this plant is going to cost two billion dollars can see up to seven and a half billion dollars in in federal subsidies for you know in addition to whatever the state gives out which is over half half a million dollars uh, you know five hundred million dollars so uh massive numbers and and it and you know it, it goes across solar it goes across everything so this inflation reduction act is really you know a giveaway it's a giveaway to the producers of all these things because that's what they want to, you know guys like biden want to to to, to subsidize all these things but uh, but it's, it's also going to a Chinese company, and this is again critical infrastructure, which nobody probably knows, right? But this whole battery and battery technology, it's going to be all military technology because you know as we move away from gas and you know coal and all that to move to, to battery technology, those who have the best battery technology are going to you know succeed in military. So why are we subsidizing this effort? Is is, is absolutely crazy. What what is your handle on because you've been in communication with them as has Ives and others? What's your handle on the residents of Mantino, the surrounding area, their attitude about this plant? Well, you know, we, we've met. We, you know, we were down there not long ago, and you know, you'll meet the people who you know they say, "Hey, twenty six hundred jobs, it sounds good." And when you look at the marketing of it, you know, why not twenty six hundred jobs, high paying, you know, technology. It's easy to kind of get a buy-in there, but uh, when you start to peel back the, the layers, then you start to understand. Wait, wait a minute. There's a whole kind of environmental concerns. This is um, a Chinese company with close CCP ties, and so once people understand what the issue is, they they, they go against it. Uh, we did a poll um, with Core Strategies, Wirepoints and Core Strategies, and uh, you know the poll the poll found that you know the majority of people don't want it. And, uh, and, and it certainly increases once they understand who owns it and what the risks are and how much the subsidies there are. You know, when you add up, if, if we give $8 billion in subsidies to, to Goshen, that would be $3 million we're paying in subsidies to get one job, right? $3 so million is, job. That's, it's crazy. So is, is that, was that the trajectory in Michigan where uh, you had the same deal going on and obviously the, the top line is new jobs and, of course, you want to, oh, well, that's great. But then as residents got more information, they started to turn, and then they turned out elected officials who supported a similar deal in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what played out there. And, you know, it's the same kind of cram down where nobody in Big Rapids, uh, you know, up there in Michigan knew about what was going on. And, um, you know, over time, they, they're, they're about six months ahead of us on the cycle. So, so there the opposition is even higher. I think the poll was about 72 percent opposing the um, – the plant and so as they got more engaged they, they couldn't get answers the, the big thing was i think for, for in, in big rapids the same thing is happening here in illinois nobody will answer a single question about what's going on 
everything was done behind closed doors and presented after the fact. And so uh, in Big Rapids, Republicans, they were kicked out because they were already part of the game. They were part of the, the, the deal. They wouldn't answer any questions. So they all got booted in a, in a recall vote, all of them. So it's, a, it's pretty fascinating what happened. And, you know, even Politico wrote that this is a big wake up call for, for Biden, if it, for whatever that's worth. Um, so, uh, you know, will the same thing happen in, in Mantino? I think we're less organized in Illinois. Um, it's a little closer to Chicago than, than Big Rapids is out there in, in, in Michigan, much more red uh, in that area. But um, certainly people don't like what they hear, and they certainly don't like that they don't get any answers. But do you think by complaining and marching that that's going to change anything? Well, you know, there's still a lot of stuff that has to be decided. Uh, zoning stuff has to be decided. Uh, there's, there's, you know, we still haven't seen what the environmental um, uh, reports would say if they exist. So there's so many questions that nobody has an answer for. So, uh, you know, there might be ways to muck things up, but it's hard to know, right? I mean, this is Illinois, and uh, the, 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 the machine is much better uh, than the, uh, as we've seen, than the, the, the populace at pushing back. Is there any discussion? Have you heard residents saying to you or to your colleagues that uh, we're looking at mimicking what was done in Michigan, moving a recall effort? And while they're at it, if they want to recall their local officials, maybe they can move a recall Governor Pritzker uh, uh, yeah. petition to. You know, one of the things we looked at a while back is that our recall laws are, are really not good for, for, yeah. for the population. We, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a real problem. You can't recall in, in, in any easy way in Illinois like no. you can in, in a place like Michigan or California. So that's a real weakness for us. And the site um, is going to be, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be an abandoned Kmart warehouse distribution site. Is that that's right. That's right. Yeah. And. There's, um, you know, there's, there's groups also like, who I think eventually, Mike, and, and you know, this has helped in, in Michigan. Uh, they filed lawsuits on the environmental side. Yeah, you know, these these battery plants use a like like five. I forget the numbers. Phenomenal, like 500 million gallons a day. It's, it's some phenomenal amount of water. And so the question is, where does the runoff go? Is it clean? And um, so those are the kind of things that I think a lot of people who, you know, Mantino people want to live in, in the farm town. They want to live, you know where it's wide open. They don't want big factories and all that. They certainly don't want to shove down their throat. Well, again, that uh, uh, that press conference and rallies at 445 Heritage Park in Mantino, no-go on Goshen, 445 at Heritage Park in Mantino. Uh, I wanted to get to something else, too. We mentioned it yesterday, but um, there's, there's more here about uh, the state funding for migrants in Chicago, Chicagoland, Illinois. Uh, so last week, uh, Jelly Belly rose out a $160 million plan. And then we find from the digging that Brad Halbrick did, downstate Republican legislator, conservative, uh, that uh, the state from since uh, the, sum, the fall of last year has spent more like $700 million. And so, you know, they're slow walking the amount of expenditures that have been made are committed, the bills that are piling up. Then I've, I find out from... Uh, uh, our mutual friend Jeannie Ives, that um, the FY24 BIMP, the budget implementation, has a provision that doubles the amount of money Pritzker is allowed to redirect from 4% of the budget to 8% of the budget. That means Pritzker was given the power by the General Assembly to move around about another $4 billion at his discretion. Um, and that's a lot of money to paper over the chaos and the self and the self-inflicted problems that are associated with the lawlessness that at the border they support and this sort of um, uh, 
masked their lash to in terms of being a welcoming city and state. Yeah, this this whole this whole you know migrant thing I call it the big tease, right? Let's let's see how many people we can tease to come over the border and then and then you know leave them leave them in limbo like we're doing now. I, I love this whole thing where I, I I think I mentioned the other day I went back to, to the police station on the Larrabee Division and it was it was if it's being cleared out now it was absolute chaos um, a week and a half ago. Uh, and what I loved is, you know, this, this Venezuelan guy said, look, you know, if you don't want us to come, close the border. But he said, but if it's open and you're handing out stuff, we're coming. That's what he told me. Um, and that's precisely what's happening. And I think now when you start digging into the numbers, as you just did, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, the, the, the numbers are going to pop into the billions. And, uh, you know, here we are struggling for a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, but you mentioned the 700 million, which I, have, I haven't reviewed that number. But uh, when you start getting into the, into the Medicaid alone, right, we're right, already exactly. – we're already at that, uh, uh, you know, close to 800 million on that. Uh, you've got the money that Chicago's already spent, which is you know 40 million dollars a month. Uh, now they've allocated 150 million more for for the next year's budget from Chicago, and that's that's nothing. Uh, they'll need much more than that. Now you've got Cook County adding close to 100 million. Now you've got the new 160 million from Pritzker, uh, and then God knows what else is going to be reallocated because I don't think we have any idea what the true costs are. And uh, they're sure as hell not going to tell us because it's pretty embarrassing, uh, you know, how much it must cost to run these shelters, to feed people, you know, to hand out cards, all that stuff, monitor them. It's a, it's a phenomenal amount of money, and it's a, it's a slap in the face of, of taxpayers, and it's certainly a slap in the face of, uh, of people in Illinois who, who struggle. And, you know, not, and I'm not saying that we should be handing out tons of money to everybody else, but it's, it's one thing to say, you know, we, um, you know, we got to balance our budget. Then the next time around, you're you're spending billions on 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 migrants who are not even from here. Now, before we let you go, you know we have this uh, resolution now in Evanston uh, that Ryan Field uh, will be uh, torn down and rebuilt, and it will include six concerts a year for the foreseeable future. You're a Wilmetian. There's this border war going on with the Evanstonians. It's getting ugly. <laughs> I'm just asking, maybe, is there something that they can offer you and uh, your insurgents in Wilmette? Like, uh, for example, maybe, what if we give you a Christopher Cross concert? Then can we get you to sign on? Oh, yeah, no, yeah I, I would love to go see Chris Cross. No, you know what I want? It's just, not I'm, Chris I'm Cross. Close. Not Chris Cross. Not Jump Jump. Christopher Cross like sailing. sailing. Yes. I know you're a, sort of a rap guy, but yeah, no, I was talking about Christopher yeah, Cross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, listen, what I want is I live close. I want to be able to charge like 100 bucks for people to park right next to my house. Oh, it's, right? It's going to be inundated. But if they let me charge 100 bucks, um, you know, maybe I can make some money from it. And uh, and hopefully that will cover any, any additional crime that comes our way. All right. The radical capitalist, Ted Dabrowski, president of WirePoints, WirePoints.org, all things Illinois policy related. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ted. Have a great Thanksgiving. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. More threatening messages coming from the uh, trans community and their allies. Uh, 
Uh, this uh, after uh, the surreptitious release of a, at least a portion of the writings of the Nashville school shooter, a trans person. They did uh, their best to keep it under wraps as long as they could, waiting for this uh, uh, judicial adjudication. Now, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Now, this is just a one-off. This is not a commentary on every person who identifies as trans or anything like that. But um, the reason it's relevant, even though it's anecdotal, is because of the general characterization by the cultural and civic institutions in this country of trans people being the new magical people. They can do no wrong. They are only right. They should be celebrated at all times. Absolutely. No questions asked. If you even look at them the wrong way, we're going to ruin your career. Uh, Well, this uh, trans lunatic has a message for transphobes. Yes, I do wish death on transphobic people because they wish death on me and have caused death to many, many, many of my brothers and sisters in the trans community. I want to stab all of you to death as many times as I can. I want to stab you in the throat and twist it like I'm carving a f***ing pumpkin. I want to shred you into tiny f***ing pieces. I want to tear your f***ing bones out from your body. I want to scoop your brains out with a f***ing spoon. I want to eat your f***ing flesh. Um, uh, so, do you think the FBI is investigating this lunatic? Well, I don't know about the FBI. It's not a specific threat, but I would say this. Um, that's a person who chose to post that message on TikTok, on social yeah. media. So, um, imagine what the manifesto would look like. I, I wonder if there's someone around them that might suggest that they need some counseling of some sort. Um, so does LeVar Burton, apparently. Yeah, Kunta Kinte. LeVar Burton, Mm -hmm. the actor. Yeah. People know him. He hosted the National Book Awards this year. And he opened with, before we get going, are there any moms for liberty in the house? No? Good. Then hands will not need to be thrown tonight. What? What? um, uh, Follow up. LeVar, you want to punch out moms who disagree with you about uh, the kind of books that should be offered in K through 12 classrooms and libraries. That's, that's your response. Throw hands. What? Hmm. It's interesting how emboldened the uh, trans community is, despite the fact that it's not particularly popular it's not getting more popular, particularly aspects of it like men playing women's sports. But they press on. That says something about the quality of the pushback. It's not very vocal. And it's not very demonstrative. You were talking about uh, women, uh, fathers of women, pushing back when it comes to men in girls and women's sports. And uh, there's just it's hard to find an example. I know there's a couple of examples last week. A female prize fighter wouldn't fight a man pretending to be a female, a female that was in Canada, a female pool player in the UK wouldn't play pool against a man. And that's not not like a woman couldn't beat a man in pool. It's not really a strength uh, 
competition, obviously, but but it's but the principle exactly. But it's just though, though it's you have to really dig to find examples of that, and of course they're not amplified because the alignment of the West Western culture is to silence pushback and promote the magical people narrative that I was just describing. Oh, and by the way, it continues unabated in the schools. Here's another outfit to look out for, a group called No Outsiders. And here's another book, lest I draw the ire of LeVar Burton. Uh, Introducing Teddy. Listen to this grade schooler at, I mean, listen to this grade school teacher at a primary school in uh, the UK, introducing Let's Go Teddy, reading from the book to 10-year-olds. If I tell you, said Thomas, you might not be my friend anymore. I'll always be your friend, Thomas. Thomas the Teddy took a deep breath. I need to be myself, Errol. In my heart, I've always known that I'm a girl, Teddy, not a boy, Teddy. I wish my name was Tilly, not Thomas. Is that why you've been so sad? Errol asked. I don't care if you're a girl, Teddy, or a boy, Teddy. What matters is that you are my friend. No Outsiders is the group introducing Teddy as the book. Get him early. Oh, and uh, I mentioned before the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on Thursday will feature trans and gender fluid individuals, too, as the celebration continues in the face of the American people. It's basically saying, what are you going to do about it? Well, Chadwick Moore is a New York Times bestselling author of Tucker, the biography on Tucker Carlson and uh, contributing editor at Spectator, Spectator World, that is. Chadwick, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning. Great to be back with you guys. Um, so um, how about that Macy's Day Parade development is uh, and, and, you know, and, and what that indicates, as I was suggesting that, uh, look, it, it, it is full steam ahead. There is no there are no recriminations. There is no pause. It is pressing down. Yeah, it it really is, and, you know, it's quite amazing. Something as sort of wholesome and traditionally American as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. If, if not anything, that's just further driving to shove this into the face of every single American. Uh, and, you know, there was a time that, uh, and so much of this, also this attention on trans uh, is putting trans people under a level of scrutiny that most of them didn't even ask for. Uh, you know, and, and uh, there was a time when, you know, if someone was suffering from gender dysphoria, it was a sort of more private, dignified affair. That, of course, is no longer the case. Uh, and it's uh, really, you know, almost like a testament to see how far, I, you know, one of the reasons I think that they push the trans narrative so hard is that it's almost a way to say, if you can get people to believe this, you can get them to believe anything. If you can get them to believe that biological sex doesn't matter, that men can become women, etc. Uh, that's sort of like the ultimate form of control in many ways. But well, it's it, like, I mean, you have these drag queen shows with children. It's similar to a strip club, and you would never in a million years, police, government authorities, would never allow kids to go into a strip club and sit there and hand strippers dollar bills but yet it's okay with drag queens and they're just as scantily clad 
Oh, yeah. It's not even worse. I mean, the whole the drag thing is just so bizarre, you know, and it's uh, it, it's this hypersexualization. I mean, drag is adult nightlife entertainment. I love a drag queen. I've been to plenty of drag shows, but they're adult night, nightlife entertainment with children involved with that. And then even more sick, you have child drag queens. There was a story a couple of years ago. They were performing in gay bars scantily clad little children and also taking money for tips. That was a story that happened in Brooklyn at a gay bar a few years ago. Uh, and the left is fully on board with this, you know, and, and, you know, gay people fought for so long to, uh, get, get rid of the pedophile stigma and even get pedophiles out of their ranks when the gay rights movement was, um, was, uh, fully underway in the eighties and nineties, seventies, eighties and nineties. Uh, there are pedophile groups that want to jump on board with that. And of course the gay, gay rights activists fought very hard and effectively to, to purge that element. Now here it is in full force and everyone seems to be okay with it. Well, you uh, wrote this piece why it's time for the LGB to divorce T and Q. How, how much of an undercurrent among the uh, gay community is there for what you're suggesting? So it's really, I mean, this has been in the last few years, uh, last couple of years, there there has been this huge push, mainly in this country, mainly online. It's just, you know, people with Twitter accounts, basically, that are, that are pushing uh, a divorce between LGB and the TQ. Uh, and they're seeing it as, you know, th- this trans activism is, is not only uh, antithetical to what it means to be homosexuality, you know, if gender doesn't exist, you can switch, to, switch genders and what is it to be gay? But it's also hurting national perceptions of of gay people. You know, studies, recent studies have shown by Gallup and other places that support for gay marriage and things like that are actually dropping for the first time ever. And a lot of that is, I think, because of the insanity of the trans issue being lumped in with these causes. Uh, What's interesting, though, is in, in the U.K., this movement has had a lot more support and a lot more official support and also has been... Um, uh, giving some favorable media, favorable media coverage. There's uh, nonprofits like a group called LGB Alliance that have received charitable status. Uh, they are working to separate, you know, sex and gender from from uh, trans from statistic taking. And uh, you know, one of the reasons I think that might be is is the the nationalized healthcare system in the UK. And this is what a lot of the activists told me through the article is when you have socialized medicine, uh, gender and sex are, are um, uh, taken a little more uh, seriously, uh, and uh, there's more scrutiny placed on, on the issues of gender and sex, where you can't just assume that men can become women, uh, mainly because they're tax-funded um, healthcare system. So there's a little more public support and official support in the UK for this. Uh, here in the U.S., it seems to be more uh, loosely organized, but, but you know, there's, there's tons of um, uh, gay people who really want to be separated from this and are officially you know, trying to, uh, to divorce that. And, and I mean, um, the representation, right, this representation issue, sort of the people that are quiet or they live their lives, you know, relatively quietly. And then there's sort of the activist set that gets the attention and then is perceived to be representative spokespeople for the group. We see this with a lot of minority communities and this whole solidarity and marginality play we see most ridiculously occurring right now with like LGBT groups and pro Hamas protesters. Right. I mean, that the the intellectual disconnect uh, uh, disconnect is just you know, as profound as it could be, but it's still happening. And I wonder if that's still an issue where you have uh, or how much an issue it is where you have those that would say would agree with you, 
but that we're they're just so tethered to this idea that we're all marginalized communities in our own way and we all need to stick together to be the rich tapestry of marginalized community that supports the democratic party yeah and one of the things the historical revisionism that's gone on to to insert key people uh, as extremely prominent in gay rights is is really amazing and extremely insulting so about 10 years ago this narrative popped up that uh stonewall which was a riot Mm -hmm. that happened in new york city that started the modern gay rights movement, uh, that, you know, it was uh, a trans woman of color through the first brick at Stonewall. So they found some drag queen, not transgender, self-identified drag queen, who uh, was around the area at that time and said, well, this person is who started it. All gay people owe their rights to trans women of color. It's absolute fiction. It's completely made up. And the trans woman in question, uh, drag queen named Marsha P. Johnson, was actually by his own admission, passed out on heroin 40 blocks north of Bryant. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that did not stop the state of New York from changing the name of a state park in Brooklyn to the Marsha P. Johnson State Park. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- this is one thing that it, it, it's, the, it's amazing the stories they'll make up and, and the extent to which they're trying to push this. And it took, you know, gay rights a very long time to get off the ground. And now we see the dizzying speed, the level to which this trans stuff is being pushed on everyone that most people say, we don't have anything to do with it. And you're right that it is this small set of very loud, very annoying, sometimes violent activists that are really uh, ruining it for everyone and, um, and uh, you know, giving t- trans people a really bad name. Chadwick Moore, New York Times bestselling author of Tucker, the biography of Tucker Carlson. contributing editor at Spectator World as well. Chadwick, thank you as always. Thank you. Thanks, Chadwick, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Interesting just to to, uh, reflect on the thinking that is coming from the identitarian left as it pertains to uh, the war in Israel, and particularly the uh, invective directed at uh, Jews both there and here and everywhere. So you had that uh, professor in California who has been charged in the killing of Paul Kessler during a competing protests? Paul Kessler, a Jewish gentleman from L.A. Hit him in the pro- head with a microphone, and he fell down and died. He was protesting on behalf of, or you know, supporting Israel, and this, uh, uh, I guess he's Jordanian. I mean, he's an American citizen, this professor charged in the killing, uh, holds both U.S. and Jordanian passports. But he uh, posted a video that we played for you. This is before the incident, where he compared Hamas to uh, Toussaint Louverture and Nat Turner and Mahatma Gandhi. The quality of the thinking of someone who would make those comparisons after, I mean, knowing everything we already knew about Hamas, but particularly after October 7th, just puts an exclamation point on it. And then fast forward a couple of weeks, and what do we see last week? 
the circulation of uh, Osama bin Laden's letter to America that is being amplified on social media by these ignorant leftists who are suggesting it was a, a, an, a, mo a moment of epiphany for them about America, and they never look at America again, and essentially saying that Osama bin Laden had all these good points, and his entire letter <laughs> is not very complicated. It's not very deep. It all boils down to basically Islamofascism is good and everything else is not. That was his letter that captivated the minds of so many on the left as they expressed on social media. Again, all the, the idea of thinking that I'm going to run to social media to react to this that apparently they were never exposed to, the quality of our government school system in this country. Thinking about the thinking behind the ignorance that is amplified. So I was interested in this piece by Joel Engel in which he uh, brought up the uh, Paul Kessler case. Uh, and apparently that happened just a couple of miles from where Mr. Engel lives. He writes, for more than a decade, Kessler was known to be a prolific letter writer to our community's free weekly newspaper, always taking the liberal left position, as most secular Jews seem to do. One imagines that he, like millions of us, had been shocked to find that many of the people he had always believed were his philosophical and political compatriots actually hated him for being a Jew. Whether they had all along is irrelevant that they do now is why Jews in this country wonder whether we'll ever feel as comfortable as we always had. And it explains why we're so grateful to Gentiles of goodwill who have reached out. I want to explore that a little bit more, and we're pleased to have Joel Engel on to do that. He's an author and journalist who co-authored by George, the autobiography of George Foreman, and most recently, Scorched Worth, A True Story of Destruction, Deceit, and government corruption. That's pretty wide range between George Foreman and uh, Scorch Worth. Joel Engel, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning. Thank you. There's, <laughs> there is <clears throat> no common thread through any of the 20 or so books I've written. Okay. All right. All right. Did Did you get some? Did you at least get a grill out of the George Foreman piece, or? Oh, it predated the grill. <laughs> oh, predates the grill. Um, all right. Well, but on on the that point you made about uh, Kessler always taking the liberal left position, and um, and and you know it didn't matter that uh, it doesn't matter now that he's been killed. Uh, what uh, people he thought might have been his fellow travelers actually thought of him, but going forward, um, doesn't it matter that people understand? who is on their side and, you know, sort of speak, who's on the side of civilization, really, and who isn't? Doesn't that matter? Well, it matters very much. And the, the shock to people like me, Jews of, of goodwill, who assume that, yeah, there are anti-Semites, but they're never going to come for you, that America has been the safest country in the history uh, as long as Jews have been on the planet. They've never been safer than they were in America. To discover that uh, sub Rosa, there was not just a current of anti-Semitism, but a, a raging river of it that required only some catalyst, an on button to turn it on and get it to the point where you have people, thousands, millions of people chanting for the people who live streamed the most grotesque atrocities anyone has ever seen. 
and then deny that it happened and then and or attribute these atrocities to Israel. So you have on the one hand, you have uh, former Holocaust deniers now praise, uh, wishing Hitler had uh, finished the job and then denying these things happen and again attributing them to Jews. It's been quite a wake-up call for millions of us. I think I can speak safely and say give that number. Well, NYU, uh, uh, which uh, platformed a lot of anti-Semitism, uh, including at its law school, including with the editor of its uh, law journal, she was one of the people that uh, was uh, identified right out of the gate by uh, donors to say, "Don't hire this person at your law firm," if you know, or essentially just you know arguing that as a matter of culture, not a matter of law. Uh, but um, NYU now is saying, "Oh, we're going to have a." center that we stand up uh, in 2024 so people can study anti-Semitism. And you see some other sort of backtracking, and we're going to set up a program, we're going to set up an institute um, in uh, at the collegiate level with all of these quote-unquote elite schools that are havens for all of this Jew hatred, as we've seen. Some of us knew already, knew for a long time, but as a lot of people have seen, as you said, a lot of scales have fallen from eyes. Is is that good enough, or what should uh, what should Jewish Americans, and particularly those in positions of uh, hiring people, in positions of uh, philant- you know being a philanthropist and donating to causes to institutions, what should they be demanding, saying, doing? Well, I, I think the the first thing is the um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, never included. Uh, Jews. It was uh, it was actually it was in essence distinctly anti-Jewish since Jews are by and large per capita um, more successful possibly on a, uh, than anyone other than Asian Americans, and that wasn't allowed. And it's by the way no accident that Harvard and other elite universities are slow to accept very accomplished Asians. So it was always. It, it, it was always uh, an anti-Jewish, whether um, explicit or implicit. So it's not su- a surprise that all of the, the people who have matriculated through that uh, Petri dish uh, came out with these attitudes. Now, I don't know how you I don't know how you can uh, stop it, because even these seminars that are being put on to address anti-Semitism, they're having anti-Semites on the panel. Right. Uh, to, uh, so there's no, there's really... I, and the non-anti-Semites, I, the, non, the non-anti-Semites get shouted down by the students. That's right. So I, I, I don't mean to be uh, pessimistic. I'm, what I'm hoping is that money will talk, but the problem is that money talks, and much of the money coming from uh, that the universities are are given, the shortfall that will be made up by people, uh, billionaires, both Jewish and non-Jewish of goodwill, who don't want to see this going on because it really does, uh, it, it, it is a, a sledgehammer to the uh, pillars of Western civilization, yeah. of which um, America is the greatest avatar. Uh, it, it will be more than made up I believe by um, by Cutter and 
maybe even Saudi Arabia and um, other entities, countries that have billions of oil dollars. But how do you win the PR war? I mean, Hamas is winning the PR war. They're getting the young kids. They're out on college campuses. We've got, you know, we've had shut down of Lakeshore Drive, and that's only the beginning because they said, you know, they're not stopping. Um, how can we do to change this? I mean, not for right away, but in the future. Well, I think people have to keep speaking out. I am. Uh, I have been overwhelmed by uh, since the uh, my piece came out in the Wall Street Journal last Thursday. I've been overwhelmed by um, the volume of email I've gotten, comments to the uh, journal itself and online across all social media. The It is at least 60 to 65% we stand with you. Uh, and that needs to continue to happen. We we stand with you, people speaking out, so that because uh, you know in the in the early 1930s, the Germans of goodwill, Gentile Germans of goodwill, were standing with Jews, and then they gave it up. I don't believe that's the case in in this country. So I think people the I think when the numbers come in uh, and people keep uh, speaking out, and we overwhelm the 30 to 35 percent of uh, people who want me to die, who told me flat out <laughs> via email, email they should die, should suffer the fate of uh, some of the, the, the poor people in, in Israel on October 7th. I, it's, I, it's as much up to Jews to keep speaking out, but also by far the vast majority of Gentiles, especially religious Gentiles in this country, to say this is not in our name. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. And, and I mean, and the, the reality is that uh, basically, certainly 45 plus, but even 35 plus um, are majority. And, and then it gets super majority with with Israel here. Um, but you definitely there's definitely a problem, you know, 18 to 35. Um, and that speaks to the culture and that speaks to the school systems and so forth. But what about the yeah, what so about... those are the people who matriculated through these DEI yes. programs? Yes, I don't know how you. I don't know. We we used to laugh and say that the poor snowflakes who needed safe spaces as soon as they got into the real world would uh, wake up and go, "Oh, okay, that's not how the real world works." Except that the real world decided to accommodate them mm -hmm. and uh, give them safe spaces. So uh, I think I'm afraid that it's possible the same thing will happen here. Now, these people, especially at the elite universities, if they can't get hired, if that holds, that's a very, very good thing. Mm -hmm. um, and also, with, I mean, there's things that we can do as a country, too. Uh, Congress, I mean, there's no reason that we have to let Qatar pour $4 billion into uh, otherwise, at least partially publicly funded universities. That that spigot can be turned off, too, just as the Chinese communist spigot can be turned off. These are things that we can do if we have the political willpower. And that speaks to the political balance of power. I mean, you mentioned it in uh, your piece. Uh, everybody knows it, that most secular Jews uh, align with the Democrat Party. Does that need to change? Well, it absolutely needs to change. Uh, Twenty years ago, in the now defunct uh, weekly standard, 
I wrote a piece noticing that uh, by far the Democratic Party was becoming uh, known as the, or it was emerging as the party. It wasn't distinctly, it wasn't overtly anti-Semitic, but if you were going to be anti-Semitic and political, you were far more likely to be um, a member of the Democratic Party. I revisited that piece recently and saw how prescient it was. Alas, I would love to have been wrong by that. But um, you have the squad and you have a, a growing number of people who, uh, social Democrats, who are anti-Israel. Again, and it has to do with uh, DEI, the equity. Equity is, is very bad for Jews, and that's why it, Jews were never part of the inclusion in that acronym. Joel Engel is an author and journalist, co-authored by George, the autobiography of George Foreman, and most recently, Scorched Worth, a true story of destruction, deceit, and government corruption. Joel Engel, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook, or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. So we've been mentioning it in our discussion with our Food for the Poor campaign this holiday season. You know, times are tough for a lot of people in America, but we also, especially with Thanksgiving right around the corner, like 48 hours from now, we have a lot to be thankful for in America. And uh, we're, by the grace of God, we were born in this country. Or came to this country and, and became a citizen. You don't have to tell me, sister. Uh, New Zealand. This family yeah. <laughs> from New Zealand, this family of four, goes to a Walmart in America for the first time. Yeah, and they film it. And you just have to listen to their expressions as they walk into this monstrosity. <laughs> and they go section by section to see all the choices. Not even a hurricane can stop this New Zealand family from going to a Walmart supercenter for the very first time. So here we are. Let's go. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I can literally not even see the end of the store. I think it's just like, well, there's, there's the supermarket. That's all the food. And this is all of your, like, outdoor toys and games. Oh, wow. And it's all cut up. Mango spears. They cut it up already. It's cut up. That's crazy. We need a cut immediately. Okay, let's go. You guys love to dip your apples in caramel sauce. What? Okay, let's try it. We'll take it back and try it. That's insane. Look at this. We never get this. Whoa. Bakery building. That's insane. That is so cute. I really want to try cosmic brownies. Cosmic brownies? That sounds something like you get in Amsterdam. Oh, fat boy. Look. Whoa. It's just basically three minutes of, whoa, look at this, look at that. Look at Amazing. all this processed food. <laughs> not in only. Big boxes. Not only. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.
Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.